0: Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. Today I want to share a message with you entitled What We Do in This Life. What We Do in This Life. And, uh, and we look at how Paul, is writing to this church in Corinth and, uh, and he is addressing their vision. he is addressing the platform from which they, they live from, how they see themselves, and how they approach life, how they approach the mission that God has given them, and how they, they view uh, themselves as the church and as God's people. And so I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter number three and verse one today, uh, 1 Corinthians three and verse 1. And Paul writes, and he has spoken in the previous chapter, about them needing to transition from being people that just think and operate in an earthly way, putting all of their stock in humanly wisdom, and transitioning over to spiritual people that hear the voice of God and live according to a spiritual vision, right? And so now Paul gets real with this church around the kinds of issues that they're having. And he says, you guys, you're arguing like kids, you're, you're, there's division amongst you, and it's coming from, from childishness. It's coming from a place of immaturity and unspirituality. And, uh, you know, many times we can read this and be, think about our own lives and our own communities, our own families, our own relationships, and kind of, you know, sigh a little bit of an ouch in there um, for each of us. So, so we can all grow and we can all um, learn and we can all develop in our maturity. That's what we want to do this year. That's what we want to do together. We want to grow in spiritual maturity. What does that look like? All right. So 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1, Paul says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready. You are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? When, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. God gives the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Each will receive his wages according to his labor. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth in the midst of this wild city Um, And the church begins to grow. It's having influence. It's experiencing a measure of success. But in the midst of it, it begins to become infiltrated by the culture of the city, by the culture of the world, by the culture of those around them. With a strong Greek Hellenistic influence, they begin to value and worship wisdom, and specifically an earthly wisdom over and above the wisdom of God. So Paul writes to address these divisions that are now coming in as they each take their stand on the wisdom of a different teacher or a different leader. And he says to them, the gospel isn't according to human wisdom. It seems so simple. It sounds so simple to to the point where it sounds foolish. It sounds like foolishness to those who are of the flesh, but it is the power of God. The power of God, even though it's a simple message, rests in the power of the gospel, of God's grace, of God's presence, of the reality of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And so Paul comes back to this in chapter three, basically saying, you guys are immature. You're immature spiritually because you're still reliant on the flesh. So you're acting like babies. Paul desires to take them beyond that point, having laid down those foundational things and having had them receive and believe in the truths that are foundational to our faith. He longs to teach them further into the application of these things and and, and how they shape our lives. He wants to take them into into these deep spiritual truths, but he can't because they haven't grasped the fundamentals yet. And so Paul comes back to them saying, I wish, I long to talk to you like adults just like here at Anchor Church with our with our Anchor kids we need to teach them the core foundational truths of the gospel in a simple way before we can move on to other things and, and 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 things that require more maturity to understand and Paul is saying this to the church in Corinth I long for you to understand more and to teach more but I can't until you've grasped these things you're still acting like babies, and so I can't give you solid food. I, you know, when you have a newborn baby, you don't cook it a steak and some potatoes and say, Come, baby, we're gonna now have dinner tonight. No, they aren't. The baby's constitution isn't able to process those things. And in the same way, we need to grasp these foundational spiritual tr- truths so that we can grow in maturity and then be able to process from that understanding. The whole scope of God's revealed wisdom. And that was what Paul is saying to this church. He's like, but I need to treat you like babies. I need to speak to you as infants in Christ. And how do I know that you're infants? How do I know that you're still babies? Look at the things that you're fighting about. Look at the quarrels. Look at the, you know, the idiocy of the things that you're getting caught up in how true is this for so much of us and and even in my own life i have to check myself when i get upset about things that reveal areas that i'm that i still lack maturity in that i still need to grow in my maturity in i have as many of you know twin baby boys and and well they're not babies anymore but when they when they were babies i remember how they used to what they used to fight about they got to an age where, um, you know, just before that toddler age where where they know the concept of mine, where they know the concept of this is what I want, and when they knew the concept of enforcing their own will on their twin brother. And so it was so interesting watching these two boys, same age, beginning to fight over certain things. And you ask, what did they fight about? They fought about whatever the other one had. Okay? So it didn't really matter what the other one had. If the other one had a rock or you know, an empty plastic bottle or you know, a wooden spoon or a piece of trash, it could literally be anything that the other one has, they would fight about it. And Paul is saying that, that this is how immature you still are, church. Look at the things that you're fighting about. You know, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. That is a baby fight. That's what twin babies fight over. That's like an empty plastic bottle that you're fighting about. It has no worth. It has no substance. You're not wrestling over things with genuine meaning. You're being like babies. You're being mere humans, focused on human thoughts as opposed to trusting in the gospel. It's not about people. It's about Jesus. It's not about which leader you follow. It's about Jesus. And what happens then is that God gives the growth. So he again is wanting to shift their perspective to understanding that church leaders and pastors and our role that each of us play within church is merely that of being servants. But there is something supernatural that comes beyond that, which is the grace of God, the presence of God. And God is the one who ultimately gives growth. God causes growth. We want to grow spiritually. God gives spiritual growth. Why? Because our life is in Him. Jesus says, I am the the, the vine and you are the branches. You cannot bear any fruit unless you abide in me. And my wife and I, we were recently down in the Cape and we, we, we stayed in a vineyard And we took a walk through the vineyards and it amazed us to, to stand there. I even took a photo of it, just watching the, the vine coming out of the ground and then, you know, that thick vine running along the wire that had been, that had been spun there and then seeing along that, that vine, these branches coming up and the fruit comes out on those branches. But if we were to cut those branches out or off from the vine, It would produce no more fruit. There would be no life in it. There would be no growth for the branches. And so in the same way, we need to be engrafted. We need to abide. We need to remain in God, in Christ, in order for the growth to occur and for the fruit to be produced. And when we do that, that fruit is... is, um, is able to change the lives of others as well. It's able to have an impact. It's able to make a difference. And that's what we want in order to be on mission in a mad world. We wanna live from a place of authenticity and integrity. And we want, to, we want what God has done in our lives to have an impact in the lives of others. Now there's no way we can do that unless we remain in Christ, fix our eyes on him, put our trust in him, develop our relationship with God, have the fruit of that make an impact in the lives of others. And so it is imperative that we grow as people in Christ. And when we do that, there's an incredible reward for our faithfulness, even though our faithfulness is based on the faithfulness of God towards us. Like, you know, we are our, our faithfulness is up and down. We have good weeks and bad weeks, but God's faithfulness is constant. But it's His faithfulness that produces our faithfulness And in that faithfulness, we then have a reward. Not only the reward of seeing other lives changed, but also an eternal reward. So when we're faithful to what God has called us to do, and when we continually pursue that, when we remain in Christ, God then also rewards us for it, which is just crazy, because it was his grace in the first place that allowed us to do it. And that's why Jesus became to us grace upon grace. Like we don't deserve any of it, but because of what Jesus has done, we have the opportunity to pursue things that will then also produce more grace in our lives. So 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, Paul writes about this and he says, For we are God's fellow workers, right? God has got a plan for us, a job for us, um, a role for us to play, and we work together with him as we abide, we also do. He says, You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God, there it is, Given to me, Paul says, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. He says, when I came to you, church in Corinth, I laid the foundation. What was the foundation? The gospel, God's grace, who Jesus is, Jesus Christ and him crucified. There there it is. I, Like a skilled master builder, I helped you understand that Jesus is the foundation. And now someone else has come and taken that basic foundation and is building upon it. No one can lay another foundation or a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, right? So that is the foundation, the platform from which we live. But now he says, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest. Now let me pause there for a moment to say that There are two contexts in which this scripture can be applicable to our lives. The one is in the context of what we teach and preach and and what we do as a church, the message that we share, because Paul is talking in the context of ministry. So he is saying, I came and preached Jesus to you, and you put your faith in Jesus in that moment, and I laid that foundation. And now if another one comes to teach or preach or instruct or guide or lead or run a community group or do a ministry or whatever it is, he needs to build with the solid truths, the eternal truths of the gospel. He needs to build, his teachings need to be things that are eternal, things that are precious, things that belong to God, the things of gold, uh, silver, and precious stones. In other words, precious truths that have worth. Not frivolous opinions that divide. Not earthly wisdom would hey straw, stubble, things that are burnt up. So the first context here is in the context of what we teach. So once we've taught and continue to teach the gospel, what we teach out of that must constantly feed back into that truth and from that truth, right? So it's connected at all times. We never move beyond the gospel. We only apply the gospel in a further way or in a deeper way. And so And so that's the first way. But the second way is also in what we do in our own lives, what you do in your life. In your life, if Jesus is the foundation, if you have put your faith in Jesus, you can now choose what philosophy you'll live from. Will you live from the platform of Jesus and pursue things that have eternal worth? Will you be a part of building God's kingdom, which is eternal? In other words, building with gold and silver and precious stones. Or will you simply build a life that is based with, or that builds with frivolous earthly things, earthly wisdom, human things that perish through the fire of the transition from earthly to heavenly? He says, he goes on to say, each one's work, whatever you do, whether it's your teaching or whether it's your living, will become manifest for the day, capital D, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built upon the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So this is not, it's not that, that if you build a life with frivolous things that you lose your salvation in Christ. It just means that you squandered the opportunity to be a part of something eternal. And that is what we want to pursue together. We want to work with God according to the grace that has been given to each one of us and play our role as the church, using what God has given us, using the foundation that has been laid, which is Jesus Christ himself, and building upon that something of eternal value. So each one of us should take stock should take time to look at how we are building. We all have the same foundation, but we get to choose what we will build with our lives. You get to choose in your own life. Are you going to build with something eternal? Something expensive? Something that's going to actually cost you? Or are you going to just build with hay, with straw, something that you can just walk out into the field and collect for free? and use that to build a life. Paul is talking to the church. He says, I don't want you to build cheap. I am not even asking you to build quick. I'm asking you to build eternally. I'm asking you to build thoroughly with something that is worth something. When I was gonna ask my wife to marry me, I went looking for a ring. And it would have cost me a lot less if I had just gone to my local kind of convenience store and bought a Lucky Packet. Do Lucky Packets still exist? I'm not sure if, <laughs> if they do. But when I was a kid, you would get a Lucky Packet. And they were always fascinating, even though everything inside of them was always junk, right? There's like a packet of sherbet. And if you're lucky, they would have like a little lollipop that you can stick into the sherbet. And then like, I don't know, a picture to color in and some, a plastic ring or a whistle or something to irritate your parents with, basically. But many of those lucky packets would have plastic rings in them. And if I wanted to save a bit of money before I asked my wife to marry me, I could have gone to a, to a convenience store, gotten a lucky packet, and found a plastic ring. The thing about a plastic ring is it would have broken by now. If I had given that to her, not only would she probably have slapped me and said no and not have married me, but that ring would have broken because it was made out of something cheap. But instead, I chose to give my wife a ring that had a diamond in it. And that diamond is the hardest substance on earth. It's something that doesn't crack, that doesn't break, that that cannot be destroyed. Because that is what I was declaring about my commitment. I was saying, I'm giving you something expensive. I'm giving you something that cost me something. Because I believe that my commitment, the commitment that I'm making today in asking you to marry me is worth something, and that it is a long-term commitment, and that it is costly, and that it is precious. And so in the same way, what are we offering up to God with the grace that He has given us? Are we offering something cheap, quick, inexpensive, and short-term? or are we building a life that is costly and has value and that means something so paul is writing here to the church in corinth and he is saying that you know god has given us this opportunity to run after things that have eternal value to receive an eternal reward to use the grace of god that is given that he has given us that we have received as a free gift and to employ it to use it Uh, in building the kingdom and in changing lives. And in doing so, we receive grace upon grace. There is a reward. We're rewarded according to our works. But Paul's saying that what you're doing, church, church in Corinth, is instead of using your time, your energy, your finances, your resources, your, your future to build that kind of a life, You're using your time with immature and childish arguments. Your focus is in the wrong place. And what you're doing is while you're arguing about all this nonsense like little babies, you are missing the opportunity to be a part of something significant. And I believe that that's part of the enemy's plan. Part of the devil's plan is to get us so distracted on what really matters that we end up having Pointless arguments about all kinds of things within the church, as opposed to being on mission. This is how we are distracted from being on mission in a mad world. But Paul's saying to the church, "So, so you you're being like babies. I can't even I can't even speak to you about pursuing your future correctly until you grow up a little bit." He concludes then by reiterating in one Corinthians three verse sixteen and. If you have your Bibles, you can go there with me. But in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16, he says this. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Like this is, this is actually who you are. This is actually where you got to be living from. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. In other words, don't waste your life. Don't waste the the, the body, the time, the moment, the opportunity God has given you. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, if you think that you've got it down according to earthly wisdom, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness, and again the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Anchor Church, all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. and and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. That's what he speaks to this church. He says, understand everything that you have. It's all yours. You have the opportunity. You have the moment. You have the grace. You have the gospel. You have the word of God. You have everything that you need to pursue God's plan for your life. Don't get caught up like babies arguing about silly things, but get on mission. Get on a journey. And start pursuing what God has for you. Don't let people deceive you. Paul is laying an incredible foundation here for the church in Corinth, helping them to think and believe and trust and build a life that has eternal worth. And from this foundation, he's going to start leading them into some other powerful things around the practicalities of our lives that we will discuss as we continue in the series. So thank you for joining us today. We love you. We believe in you. All things are yours in Christ. So let's pursue that heavenly vision and walk after the things, run after the things, pursue the things that will have an eternal reward. Thank you, Anchor Church. We love you. We believe in you. We're praying for you. We'll see you again next Sunday. God bless you.